welcome to True Crime IRL, true crime in real life. I'm your host, Kelly Barron's Brink. Hey everyone, it's been a long time since I've released an episode, and I'm so sorry I left you hanging. Summertime's busy for everyone, I know, but this summer I've been staying home with my little boys, having lots of family adventures, so that's been keeping me really busy. And as you may know, I'm also working on Bob Ruff's podcasts now, Truth and Justice with Bob Ruff and True Crime Binge. So that's been great. But like I said, I've been super busy. It's been crazy. But I'm finally getting some episodes out to you. So hi again. Oh, and I'm writing my book. So my book is all about the crimes, conspiracies, and cover-ups of the Catholic Church. And it's a fascinating topic. I've been fortunate to connect with a lot of survivors of Catholic Church crimes and scandals, and I'm excited to tell their stories. Today, I'm sharing one of those stories with you. But first, a little background on this subject before we get into this interview. So for today's show, we are again focusing on Ireland. As I've discussed with you before, From the early 1900s until the 1990s, tens of thousands of unwed mothers and their babies were sent to Catholic-run institutions in Ireland where they were abused, separated, and often perished. The church-run institutions were run by nuns and priests. They took in orphans as well as children whose parents couldn't afford to raise them. These religious orders believed that these babies and children were sinful and deserved punishment for their sins against God. So they treated these kids as if they were criminals rather than the victims that they were. Catholic industrial schools in Ireland were a harsh place for kids to grow up. These kids were forced to work and they had little to no contact with the outside world. And the children were not allowed to go home to their biological families because it was seen as a place where they would acquire sinful habits. And not only did this keep children away from their families, but it also prevented them from speaking out against their abusers. The schools would also forbid communication between students. You couldn't talk about anything personal or outside your immediate surroundings, and you couldn't even ask what someone's name was. Everyone had a number, and that's what you went by. If someone broke these rules by accidentally saying something inappropriate, like asking another kid what their age was, well, then they would face harsh physical punishment for breaking protocol. A culture of intimidation, shame, and secrecy was enforced by the Catholic Church, making it difficult for survivors to talk about their abuse— And that's just one reason why so many survivors are just now, as adults, finding the courage to speak out. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of one such Irish Catholic industrial school survivor, Mary Smith. As a child growing up in Catholic institutions, she was known simply as number 1346. She grew up not knowing her age or her true identity. 
But later, she would find out that she had been ripped from the arms of a mother she would never know. And she would discover that she also had a brother who was a victim of the same evil system. Like a lot of Irish people, Mary, as an adult, has used music to tell her story and heal from the pain she endured by the hands of the Catholic Church. In her song, I Am My Mother's Child, Mary tells her story, and I'm going to start off the episode today with her permission by sharing her song with you, and then she's going to tell her story in her own words. I normally edit my episodes, but this one is just so full of information, I just decided to leave it as it is for you to listen to, and it's going to come to you as a three-part episode. It's a phone call, so the audio quality is a little less than what I would normally want it to be, but like I said, it's a phone call, so you'll have to bear with me on that. So here is part one of Mary's story right after this break. Thank you. 
let's start out by talking to my listeners, telling my listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, your name is Mary, and let's Mary Smith. Mary yes. Smith. I'm originally from Cork, but You're, I never okay. had a home. Okay, and I never had a mother. Yeah, and that's why I wrote that particular song. Mm-hmm. I am my mother's child. Yes, because the day my mother had me, she was snatched from me. First of all. Um, I'm an atheist, and the reason why was because I was put into these industrial schools mm-hmm. and was run by, I don't call them nuns, because they're not nuns. They just label themselves that because they wore fancy dresses. Well, fancy dresses, I call them habits. Yeah, yeah. They're fancy dresses. Yes. And the same with the things in the habits. We call them nuns for this interview, but in my opinion, they're not. They're, they're, what they are, they're, they like to crucify people. They like to torture people, and it's all a money, money, money racket. It's a cult. I've talked to my listeners about this. We've discussed the fact that the stuff that happened in the Catholic Church and all of these these mother and baby homes and these laundries was money-driven for the most part. It was a very profitable industry where people would, where the nuns and the, the, the Catholic Church would basically take children from their parents and sell them for a profit. So, <clears throat> and not alone that, if we weren't sold, we're put to work. But I tell you the work I had to do. Mm-hmm. First of all, it happened, and I discovered my mother was pregnant on me. Mm-hmm. And he called himself Father O'Riordan. He wasn't my father, but he called himself by a priest, yes. Father O'Riordan. I came from a place called Newmarket, County Cork. Okay. And I just found out years later my family were multi, multi, multi billionaires. There's so much land they were giving it to the neighbours, they'd raise horses a lot. Wow. It's not that we were poor. Yep. It was this thing that they wanted not just power, it was pure cruelty, sadistic, heartless. So- that they wanted <clears throat> Go ahead, sorry. To take my mother she was pregnant on four months pregnant on me. There was between myself, my mother and my brother were in twelve lock ups in Cork. They call themselves the Catholic Church. What they are is pure criminals. I had nowhere to live. I slept in the streets of Cork and I slept in the streets of Dublin. Mm. I never went to school. Never went to school at all. There's no record of me for the first couple of years of my life at all. Right. I don't come on the planet till I'm two. So when she fell pregnant, I assume that that was a disgrace. When she fell pregnant, because I wasn't aware, I wasn't aware, but she already had another child, mm-hmm. which was my brother, Christopher Smith. Okay. So he was born in Besborough, mm-hmm. which is a mother and baby home, mm-hmm. as they're called, but I call them all lockups. It is a lockup. I wouldn't insult them by calling them homes. It wasn't I'd a home. It was a prison. A home, a home is somewhere you bring your mother and a family. Yeah. These were called chamber torches. Right. So that's what there are three cha- chamber torches. That's yeah. the real name for them places. Cha- they're called chamber torches. So I don't call a lockups. Right. So when your your mother, so you so were a man, a man who called himself Father Reardon, who lived in a place called Newmarket, County Cork where I was originally from, gave orders to lock up my mother and she was four months pregnant on me. Okay. And she was in a place called um, um, Peacock Lane, 
This was a Magnum Laundry in Cork. Uh, run by Peacock this... Cork, By the... It was one of the Magdalene homes. Magnum Laundry, yes. Laundries, okay. Magnum Laundry Torture Chamber. It wasn't mm-hmm. a home. It was mm-hmm. a Magnum Torture Chamber. Mm-hmm. And she was put in there four months pregnant. I believe my grandmother went up when I met a woman years later who went to school with my mother. Mm-hmm. And she went up with my grandmother and insisted getting my grandmother out. Mm-hmm. And she was told by the woman in the habit, which they call himself a nun, mm-hmm. to get away or they'll put my mother somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And she was told she'd never see my, see her daughter again. Wow. But so, I wasn't aware, but yeah. already her son was taken off her, who was my brother, mm-hmm. Christopher Smith, who was then put into um, Cantork mm-hmm. Court to be sentenced to death. To, oh my. At six years of age. So she's now... Pregnant on me, a child six years of age taken off her, and she now carrying me that she wasn't going to have me. Mm-hmm. So as you imagine what she must have been like, my mother. Oh, just... That just, was my mother carrying me, known as she already, which I wasn't aware, and I'll tell you as I go along, how I discovered I had a brother. Yeah, so let's um, get into this story a little bit. So when... Now, I know... What happened to my mother? A lot of women, when they were pregnant in these torture chambers, as you call them, and I agree, uh, they were, you know, forced to give birth under brutal circumstances with no medication. And I believe, no, what to call it, the duric, they were actually boxed into the faces Mm -hmm. while they were told they were were sinners, because I met a woman who worked in Bessler, and I won't go into details what she told me. Yeah. She actually was only 14 years of age and she saw a girl being boxed in the face when she was having a baby. But she was yeah. only working there and she ran out. She didn't know what was happening. Yeah. She just saw a lot of blood and she thought she was just having a period. Oh. And she had to run out. And she never went back. I met that woman and they were boxing the woman into the, the girl into the face because she was screaming her head off having a baby. Right. And did Besper now. Yeah. And my brother was born in Besper. Yeah. So no... And that, and that, yeah. No medication, no kindness, no, no, no. no love. And don't forget, my mother now is already a child taken off her. She's pregnant on me. So I was born in a place called Fermoy, County Cork. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where I was born. Yep. Now, there's no record of me whatsoever. Right. I don't know where I was for the first two years of my life. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty common. They there would be no birth certificates. They all the paperwork would be destroyed. So really, people like you had no. No, I got my birth certificate after. Oh, I got I got my birth certificate afterwards, but there's no record of me. Right until I was ready for work. Gotcha. Okay. Until I'm ready for, but I did find my birth set. I had no birth set till I was about twenty, and all by accident I got my birth set. I thought it was a piece of paper someone gave me. Oh my god! In any case, but it was my birth set, and I had no birth set till I was twenty. And if I'd never found that piece of paper, I would never know what a birth was. I know you would never know really who you are. It's very sad. So I was. So and I had and anyway. Yeah. I was taken from Fermoy. In Fermoy, Tuklanakilti is about 50, 60 miles away. And it was called St. Aloysius Industrial School. St. Aloysius Industrial School. Industrial School in County Cork. Okay, and what? That was in Clannacilty, in Clannacilty. Okay, so I've heard of industrial schools and laundries and mother and baby homes. What What exactly is an industrial school there? What do you- An industrial school, it says as it is, 
work. Work. Industrial means work. Like a prison, So, basically. anyway, worse than a prison. Yeah. Worse. Slave because labor. You're only a child, don't forget. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, when we were in the, in the industrial schools, there was a national school, there was a boarders, and there was a convent. And we weren't allowed to mix with the outside world, and the girls from the town came up to go to school, but we never went to school. Mm-hmm. Because there was a laundry there, mm-hmm. there was a farm there, and we had to go over to wax the floors on our hands and knees, waxing floors while the boarders were in school, polishing their floors. Don't forget, none of us had birthdays, so therefore we could have been seven or eight or nine, four mm-hmm. or five. Kaylee, my first memory on this planet, this planet I'm on now at the moment, was looking into a hole. I didn't know what it was, and it was fear. My first memory was fear. A a fear of looking into a hole. And what the other hole was? Hmm. A graveyard. We used to to go to the nuns, if you call them nuns. We used to have to go to the, what you call them, the funerals. Mm -hmm. Because after... We used to have to go behind this box, and when I got older, I realised this this box, and we used to, have to follow the box with our hands joined, following this box, and this were only children, don't forget. And we all had to kiss them things in the habits good, goodbye. That was my first memory, and we used to have to get up in the morning, and there was no time, no nothing, mm-hmm. and we used to get up in the morning, the bell would ring, and we'd have to be all lined up. Go out to do our exercises. Oh, you have to stay strong when you're working that yeah. kind of. <laughs> well, don't forget, we were about seven or eight. Right. I don't know what age it was. It's but really. All I yeah. know, I was under. I was under thirteen. Kind of like being in the military, really. You know, kind of. But like, we're like children. children. You're just just babies, really. Yeah. Baby, children. Could you imagine you're looking at a six-year-old? No, I cannot, and because I have kids that age, so. That yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and the, and, we'd ring the bell, yeah. and we'd all lined up, and they give us two pieces of woods. It was what they were called clubs, clubs. Mm-hmm. And we'd have to go out in the yard and keep us fit for work mm-hmm. before we went to mass. Mm. We'd have to keep us fit, and the non bit there would have let us strap. And if you stopped exercising, and it's jump up, down, up, down, up, down. This is a bitter, bitter, cold, cold mm. morning. Mm. And another thing, there was no heating in the dormitories. There was no heating in the in the industrial school whatsoever. There was no, no heating at all. There was no heat. There was never any heating. There was no heating. There was never any heating. So you were freezing cold. You were starving. There was never, there was, there was never, there, never any food. We yeah. weren't classes humans, in other words. Mm-hmm. And there was also a laundry. Yeah. And what I'm going to tell you next is going to make you sick. Well, we this all is wash. making me sick, but yeah, it's terrible. So We yes. used to have to wash sanitary towels. <clears throat> Wait, you had to do... Because oh, you did? Oh, okay. Sanitary napkins. like sanitary when I, yes. And okay. I was so small. I remember being so small. There was pallets, all things. And it had flipped me onto the pallets to get to the sinks. Because oh. I was so tiny. Mm-hmm. And I remember my hands used to be all shriveled up with water because my hands were constantly in the water. And we used to have to wash the habits, wash the sheets. Mm. Don't forget we're only about seven or eight, eight or nine, whatever. Right, just... And then, as the other girls had come up from the town, we were walking 
and we weren't even allowed to look out the window at them. And by the way, I had a number. My number was 1346. So you were just a number. One, 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 we were all called by numbers. And these things and the habits used to come along and they'd ask you your name. You have a name, you have a number. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell you, I tell you, at a beating I got one day that one of the girls thought I was dead. Literally thought I was dead. Oh. Now, also, for example, it was a farm there. And then you have to go up to the farm. Mm-hmm. And I was so hungry, no word of a lie, I used to eat the chicken's food. Oh my goodness, Mary, that, that is, is so sad. I, ate, used to, I remember to this day, I used to eat the chicken's food. You were so hungry. Nuts. They didn't feed you. Yes. Yeah, and you, so you no. ate the chicken's food. Wow. Food, yeah. That's yeah, so that's sad. the truth. So sad. I can remember what it was like. And and this stranger to me sound, but I lumped it up at the farm because I knew I wasn't going to be beaten up in the farm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And none of us had birthdays. No. Christmas came. And we also had to go over to the chapel. It was called the chapel. And the nuns would sit on one side. The boarders sit on one side and we sit on the other. Mm. Every week I used to go over there and pull out the seats, go down on my hands and knees and scrub the church and then polish the seats mm. and also wax the drums. And the beatings now were horrific. The beatings? They were so horrific. And when we started developing, they put bodice on us so we wouldn't look at our chest or internet developing. Mm-hmm. And when we were into the bat, they used to put things over us like uh, a red thing and t- with tides, so we wouldn't have to look at our bodies developing. We weren't allowed to look at yourself. To, we weren't allowed to look at your bodies developing. You weren't allowed to, lo- to look at your own body developing. Exactly, exactly. Wow. So when we went into the bat, you had to wear this thing like a nape. It was, it was red. It was like a, a can-can-scred material, but it had to go over you as once the other girls came out of the bat, and it was just blued in the bats. Mm. Mm. Jay's flu, the smell of it was horrific. Yeah. Now, this innocent, I'll tell you about, about an instant the beating I got. The, the lebrons were too, too much for beating. Every time, you did, everything did wrong. Yeah. And we also had to go down to the town, mm-hmm. which is another thing, and there were elderly people in the town, and the nun, instead of the nuns going down, we used to have to get their food, for example, mm-hmm. get a basket, and I would be called, or something would be called, and you'd go down on your own into the town, with that food in your hand, and it had to pass a garage, two alsatians, with the food in your hand in the basket. Mm. Go into the old folk, not just give them their dinner, but to clean their cottages as well. Oh my gosh, just a child. Like yeah. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> and there'd be nobody standing over you. I have a question. No, so when you would walk into town, how did other people treat you? They knew where you came this- from. We were called, we were known, we were in Clannacilty, and this is where, this is where Michael Collins came from, the man who took over. Well, I didn't, and the strange thing about it, this place in Clannacilty, well, I didn't come from, I came from Newmarket, but it was in Cork as well. Michael Collins was the man that signed the treaty mm-hmm. in Ireland. We actually passed his house. We used to go for walks so to keep us fit now, not oh. keep for enjoyment. We said to go for four miles every Sunday a day off to keep us fit. And I knew the Collinses. And that was Michael Collins's house. And believe it or not, I never knew about anything but the history of Ireland. Wow. And wow. yet I was passing the man's house who signed the treaty. Wow. And kind of the Collinses. 
Mm. And I never, never knew that. I never knew, my, I never heard of Michael Collins until the couple last couple of years. It's, until the film was made. It's like Remember they, the film yeah. Was made? Oh yes, it's like they had you locked up, living on a different planet. Basically, you didn't know anything that was going on in the outside world. No, you were, we weren't allowed to mix with the outside world. Right, right. I'll give you an example now that you said that. Um, myself and another girl. I'll give her her name. She won't. Her yeah. Alice Kennedy was her name. Mm-hmm. Alice Kennedy and myself were over waxing the floor and the borders, mm-hmm. the floors. We pull out their beds and go down our knees and wax the floors. Mm-hmm. And this nun, we call her nun, nun, came in, Sister McClatt was her name, and I heard the bees and I said to her, we better hide under the bed. She's coming. Because mm-hmm. we were not allowed to talk to the outside world. Oh. We were nobodies. We were always told we were nobodies. So with that, then um, she says, what are you doing there? So we were asking the boarder who would be much older than us because we were only children because mm-hmm. they were paying to stay there. Mm-hmm. So we'd have to look after them because they were paying because we were the slaves, in other words. Mm-hmm. So I were asking her what was it like, you know, to, you know, to go to school. So with that, that woman saw us, with the, with the habit saw us talking, and she went to told the woman over us, and that night she came into the dormitory and she asked for me, and she asked for Alice Kennedy. Mm-hmm. I remember I was wearing pink pajamas. Yeah. And she called her over, me first, and she says to me, you know, you're not allowed to talk to the outside world. There's about 50 people in the dormitory. The dormitory, there was first, second class dormitory. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she called me over, and she had a stick in one hand, and a leather strap in the other. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, you're, you disobeyed, and with that, she says, you'll not do it again. And I'll make sure. So she put out the two hands and then she got lashed me with a leather strap and a stick. She's a stick in one and a strap in the other. Now, there's the leather straps are constantly. She just beat the, the, the you leather, with beat So you. she told me to go across. She got me to cross, across the bed. She had two of the girls holding me hands and legs <gasps> and she put on my pants. Oh, and Mary. Lashed, and lashed and lashed and lashed me. And I fell to the ground and she was still beating me while I was on that ground. Sister Mary Albert, she called herself. And she battered me with that leather strap. You realise you are here to work. You are not allowed to talk to the outside world. The reason, and that, yeah. You're right. And that's the beast. Anyway, there was so, a girl, and I didn't know this, but she was brought to the hospital. Oh. And La Cronin, she thought I was dead. She took an asthma attack because she thought I was dead on the ground. Oh, my goodness. I got such a beat. That's how cruel evil. They call themselves the Catholic Church. What they are is pure criminals. Yeah. And that thing in Rome should be taken off and it should be accountable for all the cruelty. And they say God died and suffered on a cross. He, I'll tell you what, he had it better than us if he did. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist and a full-blown atheist because I never met him. Mm-hmm. And I blame him. But if he did exist, for the simple reason, if he didn't exist, we'd have never gone through all the suffering. Oh. Because my brother, before he died, said the same. Because I'd like to him. I don't know what I used to actually do. Well, we brained was so much. We had the rosary three times a day. We had benediction. We had mass every morning. Stations of the cross every day. And I used to go under a tree. I was so brainwashed that God would come down and help you. And God is up there and he loves you. And I used to go under a tree. This is not what we like, Haley. And I'd sit crying, crying that God will come down and take me out of there. 
And I'd sit under, when any chance I got, it was all going over to the church, and there was a tree there. And I'd sit under that tree, and if I saw, you know, the, the what's called the clouds moving, I'd jump with excitement. and I'd say, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Oh. And then they told me there was a baby in the tabernacle. And I never saw a baby, and every morning I'd go into that church, I'd be looking at that tabernacle. And another thing, when when we got our communion first, there was a board on one side, and we were on the other side, every morning we went to Mass. They had to go in front of us, and if we looked over at them, because they were above us, we got a beaten again. You're not supposed to look at them. You're, you're, beneath, they're beneath, you're above them. They're so, above you. You're beneath them. So you grew up thinking you were scum of the earth, basically, just because you were... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, because they took my mother off me. Yeah. Because they were criminals. If anybody went into a hospital and took a baby, what's the difference? Right. Yeah. What is the difference? Anyway, um, I won't go into any more too much about tonic guilty because I think I've told you an awful lot about tonic guilty. Um, we were, I was there, I don't know what age I was. Mm-hmm. Hadn't a clue. Yeah. Anyway, we were all told that the place was closing down. Oh. Okay. And this was Clonakilty, St. Alois in, in Clonakilty, okay? Okay. Now, we weren't crying because the place was closing down. Uh-huh. We were crying because we were leaving each other. But the uh-huh. matter of fact, none of us knew where we were going to go. So, Mary, the, the friendships you developed there, you know, you were oh, all, God. you were God. all, yeah, you were going through the same th- thing, just you and some little children all together going through this. All of us that we just, we all we know is each other. Yes. We're gone. And we're all just lined up outside a big, big, you know, like a big, what's it called? Um, like a yard, yeah. a yard. And you were just lining it, lined up in the yard. Yeah. And by the way, I wanted to tell you this because this is never took me over. We just have to... We used to have to get back to Clonakilty. We used to have to get up every morning, every two weeks, and we used to have to stand in the scullery and get Epsom salts. Oh, oh, what? Epsom salts. It's to make us drink, and we didn't get that. We'd be blushed. We didn't take it. Oh. We were so hungry. We squint the pantry to eat the bread, and we come out with all the sugar all over our face. You'd be, you'd be lashed again, because we got no bread or nothing. We got no food, in other words. What kind of food did, anyway, did they serve there? Just bread and water? But no, whatever, whatever was grueled most of all, it was like um, porridge, porridge in the morning. And uh, mm-hmm. at Christmas, you got an egg. That's how you know it was Christmas Day. That's at, all. at Christmas, you got an and egg. Uh, cornflakes, oh. something like that. And you got something different, that was it. But um, whatever was left over after the nuns at the borders, we got. Yeah, because the nuns ate well, didn't they? Oh, they ate very well. They weren't nuns, they were criminals. I don't call them nuns, they're yeah, criminals. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I don't know what a nun is supposed to be, but they were criminals anyway. I, I can see so anyway, I can see how you you would become very angry living this life and, and lose your faith in the church, lose your faith in God. I never had a faith, and I still don't believe in uh, I mean, let's put it this way, my mother didn't chose it. Right. My mother was snatched for me. I was snatched for my mother. Yeah. Let's, so let's, how would they like someone to take your children? Oh my God, I can't even imagine, Mary. Oh. But there you go, why would I not be angry? Not alone they do it to me. I know. But they also did it to my mother. I know. Locked her up and left two children and she was put into a lockup and to be raped and left to die. She was dead at 40. Yeah, so you said she was raped. That was pretty common, yes. wasn't that? Um, I was raped as well. By a priest or employees? No, who no. Were, uh, the ISPC man who was locking all of us up. 
I'm, I'm getting to him now. This is when he comes in. For the first time, I, I lay eyes on this. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you call him? Was it a paedophile? A sicko? A pedophile, um, yes. He, I tell you what it was. He was, did you ever hear of ISPC, man? No, I haven't. The ISPC. No. I, look, look it up. It's called Cruelty Against Children. Okay. Now, the church and state colluded. So he was getting, he was the state, he was the state and the things of that church were called in the, whatever you call it, wore fancy dresses. The criminals, we call them. They were both criminals. Mm-hmm. They were church and state. So the ISPC man was a state and the other things called themselves a church. Okay. Okay. The ISPCC that Mary is talking about here is the Irish Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. This organization was founded in 1956 as a successor to the NSPCC, or the National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children, which had operated in Ireland from 1889 to 1956. So basically the same organization, just under a slightly different name. The ISPCC is a national child protection agency in Ireland that provides a range of services to children and families and promotes children's rights. But it's got a very sordid past. And before I let Mary tell you about her experience with the ISPCC man, I'll give you a brief history of the organization. So both the NSPCC and the ISPCC had an inspector who was paid a salary and was provided with a free house that doubled as the local office. Their job was to investigate child abuse or neglect. These positions were filled nearly by all men who were recruited from the ranks of retired army personnel and police. Each answered to a local committee of volunteers. A brown uniform was worn by the inspectors, and they were popularly known as cruelty men. You'll hear Mary refer to her ISPCC inspector as the cruelty man throughout her interview. The cruelty men acted independently and they were given a lot of power. In fact, too much power with very little oversight. Both the NSPCC and the ISPCC had a role in committing children to industrial schools, though the exact extent isn't clear because there's a lack of records. Conveniently, the society states that many records were lost in a fire in their office in 1961, and some may have been lost in the changeover from the NSPCC to the ISPCC in 1956. So this sounds like the exact same excuse that the Catholic Church has given for losing records of children who were born in and died in Ireland's Catholic-run institutional system. The ISPCC has been surrounded in controversy as well. For starters, they bring in a lot of money. Millions of dollars are raised by the organization each year in the form of fundraisers and charitable donations. But rather than spend that money on the children who need it most, nearly half of their income goes right out the door spent on marketing, promotion, and more fundraisers. Again, this parallels with the way that the Catholic Church took the money given to them by the state and put it into their pockets instead of to the kids who were in their care and needed it. There are dozens of stories of sexual molestation, abuse, and suffering at the hands of Ireland's ISPCC cruelty men. And now, Mary Smith will tell us her story about her experience with the cruelty man. 
Now, the more he was locking up, the more money they were making in the industrial schools uh, and the Magdalene Laundries. That's true, yeah. Okay, and mm. selling. So he would get, he actually got me from Fermoy, now that I know, and he also locked my mother up. Mm. He'd go into someone's home, for example, and make up their, their, their fathers and they're going after them or their mothers, and he would just walk in and take them while, while the father's in work. It happened all the time. Wow. And he'd take them and lock them up, and the father come home, his children are gone. The cruelty man, his name was William O'Callaghan. The cruelty man, he was known in Cork. Mm-hmm. Well known. There was a cruelty man nearly, if you looked into it, in every industrial school. The cruelty man. Okay. The cruelty, there was all known as a cruelty man, but he was the ISPC man. Mm-hmm. The more he was locking up, the, as I said, the trust and state colluded. He was the state. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, we were all lined up, not knowing where to go in Tonicilty, where we were going next. But we were crying because we were each other, but glad because the place was closing. Mm-hmm. This black Volkswagen came and took six of us, and mm-hmm. I was one of them. And that's the first time I laid my eyes, sorry, on the cruelty man, which whose name was William O'Callaghan. William O'Callaghan, okay. The real William O'Callaghan. And he was a cruelty man in Cork, and he was well known for that. Wow. And there was one in any in every town. And if, if any industrial school was there, the cruelty man would say, oh yeah, the cruelty man put him in. Mm-hmm. Because when they go to court, the cruelty man would then take you to put you in. Mm-hmm. Say so the children would go to court, the cruelty man would be waiting to get the child put the child into the industrial school. So where did they take so you then? Is, you and the six... So then there was a place called Mallow. This is still in Cork, okay? Mm-hmm. This is what I said when it was 12, we were in 12 lockups. So we're going into another one now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, we went to Mallow. I must admit, Mallow wasn't a bad place. Mallow mm. wasn't that bad. Good. And it was 10 miles exactly from where my mother was from. Oh my goodness. This was North Cork now. Okay. No, so anyway, I was there for a year, a year and a half, and mm-hmm. it wasn't too bad. I even went a loud house, and I went to the carnival, and I remember one day in the carnival, I was at a carnival, and I met my first love. His oh. name, I, I don't know if I did his name. And um, oh. when oh yeah, when I went there first, to be honest, um, I was wearing this bodice, and the nun in charge came was going around the dorm. She says, "What's that you're wearing?" And I says, we have to wear them. She says, you don't have to. She told me to go down to a good woman. And she says, she give you a bra. And I didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And she gave me a bra. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time I realized I could look at my body if I wanted to. And I still didn't look at it. You probably felt guilty. Fact, you, st- you probably had a lot of guilt. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was still afraid to look at it for years. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like, you know, that I was brainwashed not to look at it. Right, right. Anyway, um, seemingly anyway... Um, I didn't understand I got a uniform mm-hmm. and then I was allowed to go to school and I went to school for a year and a half then. Wow. And I remember one day this girl and Britain said to me from the town, she said, your mother must have been lovely looking. Oh. And it was then I said, what is a mother? Oh. Now she's trying to explain to me what a mother is. Yeah. What did and she I say? And I said, what was a mother? What did she describe a mother because, as? Because for the first time, because we were made sing this song in the industrial school, A Mother's Loves a Blessing. A mother's loves a blessing, no matter where you roam. Keep her while she's living, you'll miss her when she's gone.
And we said, sing it for the nuns. We all stand on the stage, sing it. Now, mothers love the blessing, and none of us had mothers. Wow, that's, and they used that's to make cruel. Us I think that is that, a very cruel, yeah. and cruel we, and thing. And we sing our hearts off, and mothers love the blessing. I wish to tie our hands, you know, hold our hands as little children sing it. And mothers love the blessing, and none of us knew what a mother was. Yeah. And that was one song they brained, they brained us with. So this is why when our Britain said to me, that you're very good looking like your mother. You know, your mother must have been lovely looking. Because, and I said to her, what is a mother? Because then it began to hit me. Because I've heard that mother by when I was singing the song. And the girl couldn't explain to me. And then I began to think I was so, there was something missing in my life. Yeah. And I began to realize what's wrong. Am I, what am I, what's wrong that, you know, mm-hmm. and I couldn't like, understand. Right. So anyway, I was there for a year and a half and I didn't find it bad at all in Manor. That oh. was another industrial school. It was called St. Joseph's. Mm-hmm. And um, I went down to town one day and I met this guy coming off the swings and I had a great time with him. Mm-hmm. And I used to sneak around afterwards <laughs> and I used to see him and I used to sneak out to see him. And for the first time, I was the happiest person in oh, the world. Oh, I, I can imagine love. how happy was, you must have been to have some have love, love in your him. life. Oh, yeah, and I never knew what love was. Oh my goodness! And, I, and he loved me, and I didn't. And 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 then we were so happy together. And I remember when I was passing by Saint Joseph's, I didn't tell anything to him when I was in Mallow. And he said, "Do you live in here?" And I said, "How do you know?" He said, "By your sad eyes." <laughs> and even though I was laughing and joking, he actually knew. I don't. I don't know how he knew. He probably knew it was got to come from there because usually they say what part of the town is from. But anyway. Yeah. I was there for about a year and a half and I I started going to school and mm-hmm. I mixed and I was doing very well in school yeah. until a woman came down from Cork City looking for me to go to work for her. Oh. And I was called into the parlour. Okay. And she says to me, you don't come to work like that to me. Mm-hmm. And I was shivered and I couldn't understand why, could I, why should I go to work for this woman. What, what am I doing going to work? I don't want to go to work. I, as a matter of fact, I always wanted to be a nurse. Well, I always wanted to be a How old were you then? How old were you at this time? I don't know. I still, I still had no birthdays. No? Oh. I still had no birthday. I still hadn't got a birthday. So I wouldn't have known. Oh my gosh. <sighs> I, I cannot. I wouldn't have wow. known. That's crazy. I, still, I never still celebrated a birthday then, so I wouldn't have, still wouldn't have known. Mm-hmm. What age was it? But now, get, when I got my records, after I got my records, I was, what, 13 or 14 when I left my work on the kilty. So I was there for a year, nearly two, a year and a half. Yeah. And she came down, and I remember um, she came down again, and I didn't want to go, and I didn't you know where to go or not. So yeah. then 
the summer holidays were coming and I was getting very involved with, Th- with Thomas Donovan, with the fellow I was with. And, uh, what was his name? We were very I, much or happy. I guess I don't have to Tom, say. Tom, Tom, Thomas Donovan. Thomas Donovan. And believe it or not, I met him in 2004. You did? Oh my and goodness. I met up with him in 2004 and he was shed tears. I bet you the did. Thing, and he was, he was actually, he was actually delivered to the Maglam Lounge is where I was locked up in the Maglam Lounge. You lounges. are kidding. I ended up in the Maglam Lounges and he ended up there delivering that. Did you recognize each other? Because Did you see each other? No, he didn't know I was there. Oh. Okay. I discovered this when I met I discovered this when I met him in two thousand four. You just crossed paths and didn't even know it. Wow. No, no, he went looking for me. I went oh. looking for him and vice versa. Okay. Okay. And we met up, but he was already married. But anyway, I'll tell you that in a few minutes. Okay. So seemingly anyway, the reason why he had a van because there was in the laundry, he had a van. Yeah. And he walked in the white swan laundry in Manor. Mm-hmm. And that's how he had a van. I don't know what age he was. I, I, look, I, he's meant nothing to me. Right, right. Because uh, I didn't understand. I wouldn't ask people. Even to this day, I don't ask people their age because mm-hmm. it mean nothing. Because what, what does it mean? There's no meaning behind it. Exactly. Yeah. If, if you're not happy, what, what's the point in having a, what's only, it's not even a number to me because I never had a number. I still, the only number I had was one. I still live one six forty six. I still don't want people to ask my age. <laughs> so yeah. No, but I never had the birthday. I know. Asked me my age. Wow, I can't. So I didn't know. So I didn't ask Thomas. But anyway, right. the woman came down to walk with me. Mm-hmm. So eventually, the nun says to me, "She says, you know, she says your family are not far from here. I don't know what a family was. <gasps> oh, and she says they're only ten miles from this town. Oh my God, which is the next town from Manor. Oh. I didn't know. My grandmother and I was still alive. Mm-hmm. But that woman kept coming down to me to work for her. And she had an eight-bedroom house. But the behind it was the cruelty man, the ISPC man, who took me from Tanakilty, put me to Manor, mm-hmm. realised that afterwards he was the man that took my mother out of the Maglam laundries and he stuck to the mental hospital rape. Oh, my God. Goodness, what? He took my mother out of the Maglam laundries because I discovered this afterwards when I was looking for my brother. Seemingly what happened was um, my mother was back into the Maglam laundries when she had me Mm -hmm. and the cruelty man two weeks after my mother gave birth to me (gasps) when she was in the Maglam laundries. She was only two weeks after giving birth to me and a six-year-old child taken off her, as well as me. And the cruelty man went up, took her out of the Maglam laundries when, we, when she went back after having birth, giving birth to me in Fermoy. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, there's no record of me, but she went back, she put back into the Maglam laundries. The cruelty man took her out of the Maglam laundries, put her into the mental home so he get access to rape her. Oh my God! Because when I found when this to see all the lockups I'm talking about now, yeah. So one lock for another lock. So mm-hmm. this is what I heard. So when I found my mother, my brother in the mental home, which I'll tell you in a few minutes, mm-hmm. I discovered the man in the desk told me that the man who brought your mother in here. He says I was talking about you know my mother, and said yes, the man who brought your mother in here. He said, she's come up, and she was screaming her head off. My mother was. Mm-hmm. She was 26 at the time. She was screaming her head off, and 
He said, is Eileen Smith was my mother's name. Is Eileen Smith's room available today? But I want to ac- get access to her. Oh, and I wow. said, And I said, what a thing to say about my mother. He said, you know what he was doing to her? Yes, of course. And I said to him, there's a pit. And that's what the man said. I don't know. Was he telling me? Because I should have known. Or was it that he was against it? Mm-hmm. Or what? But he, he, he said, he anyway... I'll tell you about that in a minute, how I discovered all this. This all, all came back. I should have known this all. I actually found my mother in a mass grave only, what, 18 years ago. So you didn't... 18 years ago. 18 years I ago. I found my mother in a mass grave. A mass grave. A mass grave, not a proper burial, not a... Not no, a, a mass grave. On mass, on, mass, on mass grave. A mass grave. Okay. It was when she was dead. Now she was 26, two children taken off her. And she was locked up. Oh. With two children taken off and she was left to die. Wow. And, you know, when I keep saying all oh, the lockups, is it? Mm-hmm. Now, what happened was, when I was out to work for this woman, she says to me, you're coming as my slave. She had an eight-bedroom house. She had a living room, a parlour, a diner, you name it. And yeah. I wasn't allowed to... I wasn't allowed to... Now, she could get somebody... She could have got somebody to work there. There's only herself and her husband in the house. No one else. No need, no need. Mm, okay. but the, the thing was this was O'Callaghan used to get people the same cruelty man used to get people out of industrial schools mm-hmm. if they didn't go into the Magdalene Laundries to slay for people yeah. so we were not we, we weren't in other words Kaylee what I'm saying is we weren't fit for anything as only scrubbers mm. we weren't seen as nothing we were known as objects the people don't get me wrong when I say this who were adopted or at least had something they had a family but the people in the industrial schools had nothing. Oh my God. And we came out there with nowhere to live either. We had nowhere to live. At least with them, and they, nobody should be taken off. No one's babies. Mother and baby homes, the industrial schools, no one's babies. Because it's a crime and it was a criminal and somebody should be accountable to this day mm-hmm. for what they did to us. Right. Because it was worse than what they did to Hitler. 100% 10 times worse than what they did to Hitler. I'd love to went into the gas chamber with my mother and my brother and be burned with them. Mm-hmm. And suffer, and suffer a lifetime. My mother suffered, I suffered, and my brother. Mm-hmm. What they did in the gas chamber, and I don't condone it, I don't condone it whatsoever. No. But at least no, none of them suffered. I know exactly, I know what you mean. And we're still suffering this day. I know and exactly what, what you're saying. They had their families going in. But my whole family suffered. Right. My mother, the whole lot of us. I don't condone. It was horrific what they did. Mm-hmm. But I, I think what they did to us was ten times worse. I, I, yeah, worse. I totally agree. At least there was an end to their suffering. Yours lingered on your entire life. And they went life. in with their families. Right. They went in with their families. Right. Mm-hmm. We were, our families were ripped from us. Our families were ripped from us. Mm-hmm. We had no. We didn't. We didn't have an identification. We had no identity. Mm-hmm. We were nobody. We were nothing. But yet we were supposed to be human beings. Mm-hmm. At least these people who were over in Poland, wherever it happened, I don't know where it happened, Warsaw, wherever. Mm-hmm. At least, I don't condone it as I keep saying it was horrific. Yes. But at least I often said it, if, if I had a choice to be one of the places, I'd prefer to walk in there with my mother and my brother. At least we'd have walked in together. I can sympathize with, I can sympathize and with what you're saying. I understand why you would think that way. But because I'm still yeah. suffering to this day. Mm-hmm. I tried to take overdoses, everything, the whole lot, and my doctor stopped me. So you've and had what happened was you've had ongoing, sorry? you've had ongoing mental health 
issues and trauma and you were suicidal as an adult absolutely Mm -hmm. i know what to live i know what to live i've had 48 moves in my life since i was born 48 yes because i was in bed even before i left cork i was in 13 moves and i never heard of dublin until somebody from planet kilty industrial school brought me up here in case i brought me up to dublin in case i got pregnant and she left me here so Mm -hmm. i was like in the street of dublin as well Wow. She let me up here on my own. Wow. Anyway, getting back to the woman that I was working for, mm-hmm. I didn't know she was in cahoots with um, O'Connor, the cruelty man. Okay? Oh, my God. So one day, I was. she said to me, go into the parlor. And I said to wear this long white dress in this big house. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't allowed to use the bathroom. I wasn't allowed to use the toilet. What? She told me, you're a nobody. Yes, she says, you're only a skivvy. You're an orphan, she keeps telling me. I don't know what age I was, about 15 or 16, I hadn't a clue. Mm-hmm. I was just coming now from these industrial schools and now I'm put straight into this big house. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I walked into this big place and with the white dress on me and there was O'Callaghan, the cruelty man sitting there. No. And the first thing he said, you're getting more like your mother every day. Oh you're my. more like your mother. I said, how do you know my mother? He says you're even clean like her. That's to make comments. Bastard. So anyway, Thomas Donovan discovered I was left what's called Mallow. Mm-hmm. Didn't he go up there, look up my address, and they gave him the address of the woman I was sent out to work for. So the next thing, the letters started coming to the house. I wasn't aware, but I got them. And I was delighted that getting Thomas, Thomas was in touch with me, you see? Oh, so yeah. all I had in the outside world was him. Mm-hmm. So I went off with him and didn't write back, which I wasn't aware of this, mm-hmm. the night that he had met me. Didn't he contact O'Callaghan? O'Keefe, sorry, contacted him, O'Callaghan, mm-hmm. and said I was after meeting up with Thomas Sonnen. The next thing, all I was sleeping in this room, Kaylee, was a small room in this massive house, mm-hmm. and all I had was the, the you know, the what? There were hoovers, etc., etc. And all I had in there was a small little case. Oh. And that's all I possessed. Wow. And I knocked this door every morning. I said to make that man's breakfast. All day, I'd walk from 8 in the morning to 11 at night. Oh. And I'd be ironing clothes, everything. And I wasn't allowed to use a bathroom. I'd wash myself in the yard. You had to go anyway, in the yard? I washed myself. It was as high as it was a tide and sink in the yard. And that's why I said to wash myself. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, the next thing, she rang O'Callaghan, the cruelty man, and told the cruelty man that I was with Thomas Donovan. Mm-hmm. Next thing, you'll end up getting pregnant like your mother. So what happened? They get the small case I had in the room. It was taken, the tears falling out of my eyes. And the next thing, I was brought up into this massive big red building. Didn't know where I was going. There was a bit crimey heart out, wishing I was dead. I couldn't take any more suffering. Next thing, what was it? The Magdalene Rounders and Sunday's well. So because you because you there. because you had found love because I was in love with mm-hmm. Thomas Donovan. They sent you never, never to come out of there. Back to prison in basically. case I'd end up pregnant. And I wasn't aware that the same man that locked me up in case I got pregnant was operating my mother in another and ten minutes away from another industrial uh, mental home from there because mm-hmm. the son as well and the mental home were only ten minutes away from each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm in one lockup. Christy and my mother are in another lockup. We're all in lockups at the same time. Wow. 
and you didn't Torture know. chambers, as I call them. Right, torture chambers. Not torture, how would I know? I didn't know them. I just still didn't know right. what it was. I know. I, I actually thought, when I got on in life, that I thought a mother had grey hair. Mm-hmm. That you had, unless you had to be a mother with grey hair. So I, right. no, I didn't know what a mother was. How would I know? So far, we've heard Mary Smith's story of suffering from birth up through her early teenage years. But that's not where her story ends. And there's a lot more coming up in parts two and three. So stay tuned for the rest of Mary's story. And until next time, lock your doors, people. Bye-bye. True Crime IRL is written, produced, and hosted by Kelly Barron's Brink. Please subscribe to True Crime IRL wherever you get your podcasts and consider leaving a five-star review. Go to truecrimeirl.com for more information. Support the show by becoming a Patreon donor. Go to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also support the show by leaving a tip in the TCIRL tip jar. Go to truecrimeirl.com and click on the donate button. Or buy merch in the TCIRL merch shop. truecrimeirl.com slash merch. Watch True Crime IRL on YouTube at youtube.com slash kellybrinktv. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at True Crime IRL, all one word. True Crime IRL theme music is produced by the captain at True Crime Garage. 